the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. WTBN Pinellas Park. WTWD Plant City. WLCC Brandon. Faith Talk Tampa. Download the Faith Talk Tampa app. Versions of this hour have been pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Odyssey. The following program was pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse. Sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. So the way to deal with these interpretive challenges is to understand that there are eternal and timeless and broad principles behind these commands. In other words, at the core of these specific words and commands given to the apostles are principles about how to witness effectively for Christ, how to do outreach ministry. That's what this is about. In chapter 10, verses 5 through 15, Matthew gave the account of Jesus' instructions when he sent the 12 disciples on their first mission trip. Much of what Jesus said was specific not only to those men, but also that particular evangelistic effort. Yet, as Pastor Steve just said, there is still much we can learn from this passage. You are listening to Verse by Verse. Pastor teacher Steve Kreloff has been serving for more than 26 years at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Today we continue Pastor Steve's series of lessons concerning these instructions for short-term missions. Jesus gave several instructions in this passage that might make us wonder, how can that apply to me? Or how can I put that into practice? Well, let's deal with those issues now. Here is Pastor Steve. In his book, Christ's Call to Discipleship, the late James Boyce mentioned a letter that he had received from some new missionaries explaining their financial needs. He wrote, I received a letter from a couple going to the mission field for the first time. It listed their financial requirements, so much for support, medical expenses, insurance, pension, the cost of operating an automobile, travel to and from the field, overhead for the home office, and so on. I wasn't disturbed by the letter, he writes. I was actually quite sympathetic. I know that the requests were reasonable. Still, I could not help contrasting their letter with the Lord's command to the disciples when they set out on their first missionary journey. Now, the commands that Dr. Boyce was talking about are recorded for us in Matthew chapter 10, verses 5 through 15. So let's turn there. We've been studying the Gospel of Matthew for some time now, and we have come upon this wonderful chapter, and we really began last week looking in depth at our Lord's commands to His apostles. And here's what He said, beginning at verse 5, Matthew 10, says, These twelve Jesus sent out after instructing them, Do not go in the way of the Gentiles, do not enter any city of the Samaritans, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons, freely you receive, freely give. Do not acquire gold or silver or copper for your money belts, 
or a bag for your journey, or even two coats or sandals or a staff, for the worker is worthy of his support. And whatever city or village you enter, inquire who is worthy in it and stay at his house until you leave that city. As you enter the house, give it your greeting. And if the house is worthy, give it your blessing of peace. But if it is not worthy, take back your blessing of peace. Whoever does not receive you nor heed your words as you go out of that house or that city, shake the dust off your feet. Truly, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Now, these verses constitute Christ's instruction to his 12 apostles just before sending them out to their first missionary trip. These were not veteran missionaries. These are novice missionaries. Just prior to this, a few months before this, they had been chosen from amongst all of his disciples to become his 12 apostles with apostolic authority. And now Jesus is ready to give them a little taste of missionary work. He's about to get them involved for the first time in the ministry. Up to this point, they've been observing him. Now they're about to be thrust out into the actual work of the ministry that he had been doing, and he's sending them out as his representatives. This is a short-term missions trip, and it's uh, not overseas. It's just to the surrounding area of Galilee, to the Jewish people of that region. And what James Boyce has called to our attention is the contrast between Christ's commands found in verses 9 and 10, that is, men are not to take any money with them on this trip, nor are they to take extra supplies with them, and the typical approach of today's first-time missionaries and making sure that pretty much all of their financial arrangements have been made well in advance before they ever leave for the mission field. Now, that's what James Boyce has, has pointed out to us. But that's just one of a number of commands given in these verses that we really need to, to grapple with if we're to understand what Jesus meant and how these verses and statements apply to us. You see, as we observed last week in our study, the challenge facing us as 21st century followers of Christ is to determine how these statements by Jesus are relevant to us today. Since these commands were given to first century Jewish men in a first century Jewish context. Therefore, at first glance, many of these commands sound odd to us. They, they sound strange. They sound peculiar. They, we look at these and we say, how in the world can I possibly obey this? For example, how can we obey Christ's command to limit our witness to Jewish people? Yet that's what Jesus told his apostles. Don't go and speak to the Gentiles. Don't go to the ter territory of the Samaritans. Go simply to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And, and he meant by that, not even those Jewish people in the south, just the northern region of Galilee. So how, how are we supposed to obey that? Then we have Christ's command in verse 8 to heal the sick. How is that significant for us today? Because we remember that Paul told the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 12, 12, that the sign of being an apostle, the way somebody could note that this individual was an apostle was that he had the authority to cast out demons and to heal the sick and raise the dead. Well, if it's a sign that points to an apostle, then it's not for ordinary Christians. It's just for the apostles. So how is this relevant for us? We can't do that. And how really are we to put into practice the command found in verse 14 to shake off the dust from your feet if someone doesn't receive your witness? You do that today, they're going to 
They're going to think there's something really strange about you. Shaking your foot, what is that about? That means nothing today. So these commands do pose some interpretive challenges to us because we are committed to the authority of Scripture and therefore we are committed to obeying the Word of God and in this case, the commands of Jesus Christ. But we need to know exactly what they mean. And we need to know how to obey these commands, how they apply to us. So as we discovered last week, the way to deal with these interpretive challenges is to, is to understand that there are eternal and timeless and broad principles behind these commands. In other words, at the core of these specific words and commands given to the apostles are principles about how to witness effectively for Christ, how to do outreach ministry. That's what this is about. You see, inherent or built into these commands are enduring principles, timeless truths that cut across the centuries, and they tell us how we can minister effectively, how Jesus Christ wants us to minister for him. Now, frankly, these principles of ministry are most applicable to those in full-time vocational service, but they're not limited to those in full-time ministry. They are broad enough for any believer who's engaged in outreach and witness for Christ, and that should mean every one of us if you know the Lord as your Savior. Now, last week we looked at four of these biblical principles about ministry, and today we want to look at two more principles. So what have we seen so far? First of all, ministry for Christ. This is the first biblical principle of ministry. Ministry for Christ should always be focused. Always be focused. That's what Jesus was talking about in principle in verses 5 and 6 when he said, I only am sending you to the Jewish people in Galilee, not the Gentiles, not the Samaritans. They had a single focal point for their evangelistic outreach. And that's a principle for us. All of us in ministry need to be focused on what God has called us to do. We need to know where our ministry strengths lie. We need to know where he has gifted us. We need to understand what his plan for us uh, is and then do it. And I think the important thing to keep in mind here is that we can't do everything. Don't spread yourself so thin that you're not doing anything particularly well. Have a target, have a goal, certainly led by the Lord, but focus on that. So we concentrate on areas of strength and not too many areas lest we dilute our ministry. So find out where your strengths lie for ministry and then pour yourself into that. Jesus sent these men into an area and and to a people who they were comfortable with. Their strength of ministry with the Galilean Jews, because apart from Judas Iscariot, they were all Galilean Jews. That was their area of ministry. That was their focal point. Secondly, ministry for Christ not only should be focused, but it should proclaim him as Lord and, and King. And notice in verse 7, Jesus said very, very succinctly, when you preach, say the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, obviously, they will expand on that. But at the heart of the apostles' message was that Christ was king and he was establishing his kingdom. That's it. The king has come and he's building a kingdom of followers. And that's the heart of our message. It's to call people to respond to Christ as king over their lives. Now, certainly, We live on this side of the cross, and so we need to explain the gospel in a way that the apostles at this point didn't understand, that is, the death and the resurrection of Christ. 
But in doing so, we are always to remember that we are calling people to trust Christ for salvation, but also to follow him in obedience. We do not divide his saviorhood from his kingship. It's exactly what we said Paul made very clear. Paul said in calling the Gentiles to obedience, that was his ministry, Romans 1.5. He was made an apostle in order to bring about the obedience of faith among the Gentiles for his name's sake. Paul said, that's what I do. I call Gentiles to obey Christ for his name's sake. That's, folks, exactly what we do. That's the heart of our message. We explain Christ's death, burial, resurrection. Then we urge sinners to repent and follow Jesus as their king. Third, third principle about biblical ministry is that ministry for Christ does require credibility. We don't just proclaim a message and live any way we want. There has to be credibility. There has to be authenticity to what we say. And you see, the principle here is found in verse 8. When Jesus said, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons, he was talking about them gaining credibility. How would the people know that Christ has sent them? Who are they? They're just some fishermen from Galilee. How would, how would they prove to be the genuine representatives of Jesus Christ? Well, it's by these miracles. Jesus gave them authority. In verse 1, he speaks of that, as well as this verse, verse 8. He gave them authority to do miracles so that when the Galilean Jews saw that, they would say, you know what? Jesus of Nazareth, does the same, he did the same things when he was with us. And they would gain instant credibility. Now, we don't do that. As I said before, we're not, we're not apostles. And those were the signs of the apostles. But credibility is still something we need. If not through miracles, then how? Well, the Bible is very, very clear that credibility comes to us and validates our witness for Christ by the lives that we live. People need to know that we are not members of a cult. We are not frauds. We are not religious kooks. We are representatives of Jesus Christ. And the only way they will know that is that we reflect him in the way that we live. Now, certainly we're not perfect like Christ, but, but we need to be in the ballpark. We need to have some reflection of, of the fruit of a transformed life. That's the way we gain credibility. In fact, Jesus said in Luke 640, a disciple is not above his teacher. That's obvious. And then he said, but everyone after he has been fully trained, will be like his teacher. Well, we haven't been fully trained. We're in the process of being trained, but we are still to reflect something of the character of our teacher, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what that means in practical daily behavior is that we have to be conscious of our testimony. We have to be conscious of how we deal with people, of how we speak to people, of how we react to people, because the world is, is looking to see if there's reality in our life. Does it back up the witness of our words? So practically speaking, it means that we have to be very conscious every day that we live out biblical truth, such as humility, that we do what Paul said when we esteem others more important than ourselves. And that means that we're not, we're not stuck on it has to be my way. I have to get my way. I think I have a better thought here, a better way of doing it. The only thing that really counts is what I want to do. The Bible says humility means we put others first. We serve them. It also means that we forgive those who sin against us. And more than saying, yes, I forgive you, it means we don't hold grudges anymore. There's some people say, sure, I forgive you. But they hold grudges. That's not forgiveness. It also means that we are loving and, and we speak kindly to those 
frankly, who are not very kind to us and those who are most critical to us means that we respond to the difficulties and heartaches of life with composure and trust in the Lord. We are, as Paul said, more than conquerors. That's what the world needs to see. See, the only objective way that unbelievers have to evaluate whether we are the true representatives of of Christ with the true gospel is by the way we live. Do we remind them of the master? That's it. If we don't, then we have no credibility. You may speak the truth, but nobody particularly cares. The fourth principle for a biblical ministry is that ministry for Christ must be free of charge. Jesus said this with these very, uh, very brief but very significant words at the end of verse 8. Freely you receive, freely give. Just as the apostles were forbidden, and that's what this means. They were forbidden to charge a fee for their work of preaching and healing. So every believer is prohibited from charging for ministry services. As I said last week, just think about how rich the apostles could have become by charging people for preaching and especially for healing them. People will pay anything for their health. But Jesus said very clearly, I didn't charge you. I gave you these gifts to preach. I gave you these gifts to heal. You don't charge anybody else. Freely you received from me and freely give to others. In other words, your ability to serve others is a loving gift from Christ. Therefore, minister to others as a loving gift. Our motivation for ministry is not to get. That's what false teachers do. Our motivation for ministry is to glorify Christ and benefiting people. That's what we do. And it's not just, though, though in context, he's talking about money. You can minister to get esteem. You can minister to get admiration. You can minister to have people think well of you. That's what Jesus is saying. Don't do. Don't minister to get anything. Minister to give. See, a minister is never to be a hired hand who comes with a price tag attached to his services. Jesus really, I don't know how he could have said it any clearer. Freely, we've received our giftedness from Christ for ministry. Therefore, freely, we are to use those gifts to minister for his glory and the benefit of others. Now, this is very, very important, far more than than some of us might realize, because money can become a very touchy issue in the ministry. And if a Christian doesn't have the right biblical perspectives about money, it can absolutely ruin not only his ministry, but it can ruin his entire spiritual life. Paul addressed this in 1 Timothy chapter 6. Let's turn there. 1 Timothy chapter 6. And note this, Paul said in verse 9 of 1 Timothy 6, now remember he's writing to Timothy who's impacting many leaders. These are the pastoral letters. And so this is really written not only with the church in mind, but targeting Christian leaders. And Paul says in 1 Timothy 6, 9, but those who want to get rich, notice he didn't say those who are rich, but those who want to get rich, that's what they pursue, that's their goal, that's what they live for, fall into temptation and a snare and many foolish and harmful desires, which, notice this, plunge men into ruin and destruction. If that's your goal to make money, especially in ministry, you're going to ruin yourself. And then Paul writes in verse 10, for the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil. He didn't say money is, but loving it is. And some by longing, once again, they want to get rich, they pursue it, they long for it, have wandered away from the faith. How sad. They moved away from the truth of the gospel. 
They, they've, they, they've, they've not only backslidden, but some have revealed they're not even believers. And they've pierced themselves with many griefs, loving money, pursuing it in ministry, pursuing, even if you're not in the ministry, just loving it and pursuing it, you're going to bring upon yourself many griefs. And that's why Paul told young Timothy, but flee these things, you man of God. He's calling him a man of God to remind them who he is. You're not like these other guys. You are a man of God. So flee this stuff and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. And then he says, fight the good fight. Don't, don't be fighting this stuff about money, trying to make money. Pursue the good faith. Fight for it. Fight the good fight. Now, since money has a potential to destroy an individual's ministry and his effectiveness for Christ, Jesus goes on to tell the apostles something else about ministry and finances that you may find very surprising. And this is where we left off last week. I gave you a little teaser and you're back. And uh, this is the fifth biblical principle about ministry. And it's this, those who minister for Christ are to rely on him to provide for their needs. Now, let me repeat that. Those who minister for Christ are to rely on him, are to look to him, are to trust him to provide for their needs. We see this in verses 9 and then the beginning of verse 10. Jesus said, do not acquire gold or silver or copper for your money belts or a bag for your journey or even two coats or sandals or a staff. He means a walking staff. Now, in addition to not charging money for their services, notice this. Jesus said, when you get ready for this trip, I want you to understand that you're not to take any money along with you. Don't, don't take your wallet. Don't take your credit cards. Leave it all home. Now, that may sound a bit unusual, but that is precisely what Jesus meant when he said, do not acquire gold or silver or copper for your money belts. In other words, he's telling them that in preparation for this missionary trip, they are not they are not to pack any money, whether it be in the form of larger denominations like gold or silver coins or even small change like copper coins. But notice he goes beyond that. Not only were they forbidden to pack any money, Jesus didn't even allow them to carry extra supplies with them on this trip. This is what he's referring to when he goes on in verse 10 to say, or a bag for your journey. That was a common traveling bag, sort of a, a knapsack that was used to carry supplies like food or extra clothing. It would be much like our backpacks function today. You just put a backpack on, you've got extra supplies in there. And according to the rest of verse 10, the apostles were not even permitted to take with them two coats, meaning an extra coat to keep them warm at the, if the weather turned cold at night, they would function like blankets. Jesus said, I'm telling you, don't even take an extra coat. Just take the coat on, on your back. Or sandals or a staff, meaning an extra pair of sandals or an extra walking staff. In fact, the Lord was so adamant about leaving their money and extra supplies home that in the parallel passage in Mark's gospel, Mark chapter 6, we read that Christ instructed his apostles to take nothing. It says this, that they should take nothing for their journey. I mean, that sums it up. Take nothing. He means now nothing of any physical value, no material supplies. Short-term missions trips build faith anyway, but taking nothing along on the trip sure escalates the faith factor. Thanks for listening today to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff. 
For more than 26 years, Pastor Steve has been teaching and serving at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Now, through the work of Verse by Verse Ministries, Pastor Steve's practical messages come to you over the air. If you are ever in the Clearwater area on a Sunday morning, please feel free to worship with us. Pastor Steve would love to meet you. Lakeside is at 1893 Sunset Point Road, midway between U.S. 19 and the beaches. Our website is versebyverseradio.org. You will find today's lesson on the webpage as well as previous classes on the archives page. There are links to sign up for our free podcasting service as well as our complimentary newsletter. If you would like to help support this faith ministry, we have information about that, too, on the website. That's versebyverseradio.org. Verse by Verse Ministries is a faith ministry made possible through the prayers and gifts of listeners like you who have first been faithful to their own churches. Today's class was the first part of a three-part message, part of a series of messages from Matthew chapter 10. If you would like to hear the entire message at once, it is available on CD or cassette. You can order one by calling us at 727-441-1714. Leave your name and a number, and we will return your call during weekday office hours. That number again, 727-441-1714. In our next class, we will find out why Jesus placed those restrictions on his disciples, and we will see the application for us. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.